lymphocytes transfusions are usually not sufficient to do. They are very, very uh, complicated in matching, so they will be rejected by the patient. And when they're not rejected, they cause other effects in the patients which are detrimental. Okay. So we should not think about lymphocyte transfusions to battle viruses. They're very dangerous, they're complicated, uh, so we have to stick with antibodies. Welcome to the Leiden Bioscience Park podcast, where we talk about what the organizations in Leiden do to beat COVID. From vaccines to food, we discuss all the different initiatives right here in this podcast. My name is Joop van der Nederland, and with me is Hans Stanker, a now retired but a renowned scientist in the field of molecular cell biology at the Leiden University Medical Center. Together, we will interview scientists, entrepreneurs, and innovators. We won't stop asking questions until we have found out what COVID is exactly, what it does to our bodies, and what our guests are doing to battle this pandemic. In today's episode, we're looking at a different outtake. What do patients that already recovered from COVID offer us? What can we learn from their recovery? With us is Jaap-Jan Zwaginga. Jaap-Jan Zwaginga is a clinical hematologist, transfusion specialist, and he has been appointed as professor in clinical transfusion medicine at the Department of Hematology. Uh, Jaap-Jan, unlike the uh, researchers that we interviewed in the previous podcast, Jaap is a clinician, and that is important because for a clinician, the key question is always, what does it bring to the patient? Jaap-Jan, very welcome. Thank you very much, Hans and Joop. Um, Jaap-Jan, I'd like to kick this interview off with a question about your field of work transfusion medicine. Could you elaborate a little bit what that is about? Well, thank you for the question because it seems a very simple question. We all know that uh, patients uh, which come in after a trauma sometimes need blood transfusions because they bleed. And transfusion medicine is most known by the transfusion, the supportive care of red blood cells or blood platelets, which are often used for hemato-oncology patients, which uh, I have a suppressed bone marrow and a suppressed uh, production of blood cells, and they need their blood platelets to at least prevent bleeding. And the other product we know maybe is plasma. And we often use this plasma also in trauma traumatology um, as um, uh, indications. But blood transfusion medicine or transfusion medicine is a bit more nowadays. It also encompasses uh, stem cell transplantations and how they are made, these stem cell transplants. And even now there is a more advanced meaning of the word transfusion medicine, namely to use patient blood cells, immune cells or immune effector cells to modulate uh, the immune system towards maybe better um, resistance against cancer or uh, to modulate it to have less autoimmune diseases yeah, because all has to do with a well-working immune system, not too much like in autoimmunity, but not too little either, like for example in cancer. Yeah, but then we come automatically to the next question and that is, unlike the previous researchers, they develop vaccines or they develop a drug that, uh, that slows down the infection. 
but can you elaborate a little bit on what you feel then can contribute to the battle of COVID? Yeah, that's that's um, maybe already uh, a bit getting clear from my previous introduction is that um, we can give, for example, plasma to a patient. And in plasma, there is a, um, a, a combined um, a memory of uh, the immune system, namely in the form of immunoglobulins. Uh, immunoglobulins are proteins which are made by plasma cells, which is a, uh, a, a cell which is derived from the beta cells. And um, these plasma cells, they specifically make a response towards, for example, viruses. So you, in your introduction, you already said, what can patients which have recovered from COVID do for us? Well, the interesting thing is that their immune system has built a memory, which you can find as immunoglobulins in their plasma. And what we cannot do uh, uh, before we have uh, experienced a COVID infection is that um, we have to wait for the immune system to kick in and to develop these antibodies. In patients which have recovered from COVID, these antibodies are present. So, sorry for interrupting you, but then can we make a comparison, for instance, to a hepatitis uh, uh, infection that you give as a pre-action uh, pre uh, patient who, not a patient, an individual who travels in the third world country that you give these antibodies against hepatitis? That, that, that is a great, great comparison, uh, Hans, because um, before you have mounted an immune response, you are vulnerable to, to an infection or to a virus. And if you go to a country where hepatitis I is endemic and it's at every street corner and in every hand handshake, you will benefit a lot if you get antibodies from a patient which has had already the hepatitis I A. And the hepatitis I vaccination is actually not a vaccination because it doesn't build your own immune system, but the hepatitis I vaccination is a miscalled just uh, receiving antibodies which fight the hepatitis I A uh, when, you, um, when you're uh, exposed to it. So it's a passive uh, immune um, um, uh, agent which you get from another patient and which can protect you against in a very early stage to battle this virus which comes in. So if I'm understanding this correctly, you are borrowing the antibodies from exactly. somebody else who has developed them because he's already battled exactly. a disease. Exactly. And a vaccination, uh, where we talk about now, is something quite different. You get uh, a vaccination with proteins or RNA of the COVID, and you make your own immune response and your own antibodies. And at that moment, you are protected. Uh, but uh, before this vaccine is present, you can get infected. Uh, and then you would benefit a lot from antibodies you get from an infusion or a transfusion of plasma of a patient which has built those antibodies already and they get infused to you and these antibodies of another patient can then battle your COVID infection. This, this brings me to an idea because we've been reading up on, uh, on the vaccine because it's so prevalent right now in the media. 
Um, but it is noted that some patients might experience, uh, or some people who, who are going to be vaccinated might experience some uh, side effects because their immune system might respond uh, in a delayed fashion. Would this, this be something that could be helped in addition or could be used in addition to a vaccine? I, I think that that is maybe getting making things too complicated. Uh, what we are now doing is actually bridging the time till the vaccines, which build your own immune response, become available and become active. Uh, at this moment, this vaccine is not yet ready, maybe very soon, but then in the first patients, and I think before the whole of Netherlands is vaccinated and protected with the antibodies you built on the vaccine, uh, that will take a good part of 2021. Before that, still people will become infected with the COVID. And at that moment, plasma with antibodies from a patient which has experienced COVID already will probably help. And we are presently investigating this use in a large national trial, which has been supported and funded by uh, VBS, Son and Way. And we do that with a lot of hospitals, but um, together with Erasmus uh, Medical Center, uh, the Leiden University Medical Center are the principal designers and investigators of this use of, we call it convalescent plasma. And that's derived by sanguine from patients which have already experienced COVID. We made a comparison to uh, hepatitis A, um, but now the key question is, um, which patient is the target? Because I said, if I go to a third world country, yeah. uh, I get the feeling that in COVID it's a little different. Yeah. Who are you exactly addressing with this therapy? What, what would be the most interesting thing is if we had enough money and enough of this plasma, we would uh, give it to everybody because that would give a passive resistance against the COVID infections. But that's probably not possible right? because we do not have for everybody this plasma. And the second thing is what you have to realize when you give these antibodies within this plasma, they gradually disappear again. So you have to re-give it and re-give it. And what we probably should also not do is give this plasma to an infected person, which is very, very, very sick, yeah. which has a very high virus load and which already on the ICU. Because there the plasma or the, uh, the plasma is probably not giving any use because this patient is too ill, uh, the virus load is already too high, and that has already been shown or, uh, uh, indeed in, in different trials that plasma in this very advanced stage is probably not useful. And also these patients may have developed their own antibodies already. Exactly. They have their own antibodies, but then again, they are already too ill to benefit uh, uh, soon enough of these own developed antibodies. So in those cases, so uh, patients who are very ill, which have their own antibodies already, which are in, in the ICU, plasma will not help. And we do not have enough plasma to give it to patients, to, to all the, the, the Dutch population. So we have to pick a, a, a certain category of patients and we have targeted this plasma to patients who are known to be infected, but very early in their symptomatology. So not yet in the, in the hospital. 
Um, and uh, the hepatitis A uh, target is, is a bit different because they, these people travel to a very infectious uh, uh, country. And that, of course, is also a good target to do. But now COVID is everywhere, but we target it in patients who have COVID, but in very early phase. And then there's another uh, caveat of requirement. These patients have to be very old. And why older patients or elderly patients uh, uh, above 70 years? Because we know already that if elderly get COVID, their course is often more dismal and more severe than, uh, for example, an adolescent which, uh, we, uh, which gets COVID. So we target our patients yeah, and we randomize those elderly patients or a bit younger patients with comorbidity, very high body mass index, already pre-existent lung damage or diabetes. Those are the patients which we think benefit will benefit the most of this passive transfusion of plasma with these antibodies. You said several times patients, so uh, let's get it straight. You are not considering uh, protecting the healthcare people um, with these antibodies from plasma. These are not patients. These it, are it, is a, it is a good idea, Hans. Um, but we know that even very, very close exposure, unprotected exposure to COVID, only gets uh, people ill in about 5% of the cases. So if we would, it, would do it in a sort of a um, prophylactic, uh, then we should protect provide 100 patients or 100 uh, um, um, uh, subjects which are in close contact or, for example, health workers which are working with COVID-infected patients and only or less than 5% would be benefiting uh, with, uh, with this plasma. So that would not be a proper use of, of these um, yeah, rare commodities, which, which its plasma still is. Mm. The trial you've just mentioned, where you work together with Erasmus and the Leiden University Medical Center and Sanguine, um, is that the COV-early study that I read so much about? Yeah, that's indeed the COV-early study, and it's very good also to, to, um, to use this podcast uh, to, to advocate this, uh, this study, because what, what the key message is that as soon as you have been diagnosed with COVID and you are early in the disease course, you do not have yet... Uh, eight days of symptoms, but less than eight days of symptoms, and you're in the elderly population, you should participate in the study. Um, and uh, there's a website for this study, so everybody can access this, um, this study. The GGD doctors uh, are aware of this study. Uh, the, the family practitioners are aware of this study. But it's very, very uh, important that... Um, People, the elderly people, are also told by their relatives that they can participate in this trial and that they, in this way, um, can get the benefit, although they're randomized, from these antibodies which are passively transfused to their body and in their circulation and then can battle the COVID. Um, so, indeed, this is a, a large trial with a lot of logistic um, barriers and, and, and difficulties. Uh, but it starts with uh, making it known and um, that people who are interested to participate 
they call us, they call the participating centers, and uh, they get well informed. Uh, they uh, can say yes, they can say no, uh, but people should know. And um, could you repeat one more time the website where they could go to? Uh, when you um, um, uh, Google for cough early, C-O-V early, you will find it. It's on the top. And um, uh, the participating centers are there. Contact uh, information is there. Telephone numbers are there. And as soon as you contact us, you will get all the information you need. We will make sure that uh, the link for the website is also added to the subscription, the description great, of the uh, podcast, so that listeners can easily click on it and find uh, yeah. Coffee Early Study. Now, you have clearly uh, explained to us what, uh, what the goal of your Coffee Early Study is. We also read um, the COVID study, and, and Sam Queen is very much involved in this. W yeah. What is the difference in approach between your consortium and what Sam Queen is aiming at? It is all uh, in, 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 in very well collaboration designed. Uh, COVID is, is in fact the immunoglobulins from the plasma of the, of the, of the plasma we investigate, whether it's, it is of use in the mentioned categories of patients. Um, it's, it's a concentrated form. So instead of a bag of fluid, a yellow bag of plasma fluid, you get a vial with powder and this powder is exactly the immunoglobulins which are in that plasma. And it is um, um, made from a lot of plasma. So it's a more standardized product, but the, uh, the working mechanism is exactly the same as the plasma. But it can be um, uh, packaged and transported more easy. It can be given, for example, in nursing homes because uh, in nursing home, it's not possible to uh, transfuse plasma bags, but it's possible to, um, to give intravenous, intravenous these immunoglobulins which are concentrated in this COVID product. And you, of course, can imagine that when plasma is, um, is, uh, has evidence of its, uh, of its effectivity, that uh, it's much easier to concentrate those immunoglobulins and make a uh, therapeutic product from, uh, uh, from plasma uh, in that form. So it's already a bit looking at the future. When plasma works, the COVID or the concentrated immunoglobulins is a much easier product to administer it. But it, the working mechanisms are exactly the same. Let's, let's put it in order. Um, we also know that there are patients that develop very low levels of antibodies. You said, ideally, it would be fantastic if we had sufficient antibodies to treat all the patients. Yeah. But that's, that's not a given. No. There's shortness. Have you done any calculations or estimates how many antibodies you would need to serve the population that you just uh, mentioned? Well, in fact, uh, it, it all depends on, in the end, uh, how many patients uh, uh, dev will develop antibodies after vaccination. Uh, but there will be a lot of patients, and uh, the patients which I'm talking about, they are immune suppressed. Uh, for example, hemato-oncologic patients uh, before, just before or after stem cell transplantations or lymphoma patients which are treated by uh, a drug which, uh, which um, 
decreases the B, the, the, the B cells, the B lymphocytes. Uh, and that's logical because uh, lymphoma often uh, originate from B cells. Uh, so we attack B cells. But if you don't have B cells, it is very hard to mount a vaccination response. So those patients will never or very delayed or very deficient develop antibodies after vaccination. You can try, but it will not work. Mm-hmm. So those patients will have an insufficient vaccination response. And of course, those patients would be the ideal ones to protect them with antibodies from somebody else. And that will probably, in the end, after the vaccination is well spread, will uh, become a remaining target of COVID or, uh, up to now, the convalescent plasma. And um, for me, for my understanding, is is plasma always the same? Is there because I I, I think there's a there variety. large variations. Uh, so your plasma obviously is is not the same as as mine. But as soon as we too uh, uh, get COVID, you will probably or you might probably develop antibodies much faster than I, because you're a bit younger maybe. Um, but you might also um, make a bit different and a different kind of antibodies than I am. So every donor is different in his in his level of antibodies, mm-hmm. but might also be a little bit different in how um, how well these antibodies function. And you can also see that in population, eh? because some uh, some patients who have very high antibodies, they are still at the ICU. So they the level of antibodies is important, but also how they function. So for example, we give plasma from different donors to different patients, but these plasmas could differ. But if you concentrate these antibodies from a lot of donors, you get a standardized product Mm -hmm. with average quality, with an average amount of antibodies, and now we have to make a decision of which donors of convalescent plasma are sufficient, which have mm-hmm. sufficient antibodies, and also which have a sufficient functionality. So we 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 we, we determine that before of all the donors of convalescent, we determine whether we have a minimal amount of antibodies and a minimal functionality. But you're right; they're all a bit different. Perhaps a stupid question. But you have expertise in blood transfusion, and we are talking about plasma. Would it theoretically be possible to do the transfusion? And then, of course, you have to do HLA matching and blood type matching and everything. Otherwise, you get bizarre reactions. But the advantage of that would be that you also transfer the cells of that particular patient. And then you would have, for instance, a memory effect because that's the big difference with the real vaccination program. Yeah, I think it. I think it. It is a a question which which everybody uh, uh, could could ask. Um, if you, for example, have an infection, um, uh, your blood cells, for example, uh, contain uh, not only red blood cells, but you're talking about the white blood yes, cells. Certainly. And the white blood cells are mostly used for um, battling bacteria. But you indeed write that there are also lymphocytes. And lymphocytes are a type of, of, uh, of white blood cells which can battle viruses. 
and I talked about the plasma cells and the beta cells, and they are uh, mostly not in the in the circulating blood. Okay. So um, the antibodies are in the plasma, um, the lymphocytes which battle um, um, uh, directly viruses or in uh, cells which are infected with viruses, they can be transported into uh, via blood transfusions. But as you say, lymphocytes of a donor, they're immediately attacked by the patient who gets these uh, lymphocytes of another donor. And they really have to be HLA matched before they can survive. So lymphocytes transfusions are usually not sufficient to do. They are very, very uh, complicated in matching. So they will be rejected by the patient. And when they're not rejected, they cause other effects in the patients which are detrimental. Okay. So we should not think about lymphocyte transfusions to battle viruses. They're very dangerous. They're complicated. Uh, so we have to stick with antibodies. Good answer. In this podcast, we, all, we also always try to look at the future and what this, this pandemic taught us and what, it might, what we might learn from it. And if there's a silver lining towards the future, is there anything that you could think of that your field has now learned or experienced or that we can learn from towards maybe future pandemics, new outbreaks or anything else? Well, there, there are a few things we have to realize. That is um, that, of course, um, the, 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 the antibody treatment is a, uh, a very logical thing to do. But before you have them, you have to organize enormous amount of um, uh, targeted logistics. You have to access the patients, which uh, they have to be asked to volunteer and give their plasma. Um, and uh, you have to collect this plasma, you have to type it, you have to... So uh, in, in, in the Netherlands, we often think of uh, everything um, uh, going smoothly. But in times of, of a crisis, we have to be flexi flexible enough to mount uh, such logistics. For example, logistics to collect plasma. And now the logistics to make mass vaccinations possible. So that is, I think, the first lesson. The second lesson is that um, there is no miracle cure. Um, we heard about different uh, drugs uh, President Trump also said, well, this is, uh, this is the drug which will save everybody. There is not a miracle cure for everybody, but everything helps. And that's also for plasma. Plasma is not useful in very ill pa pa patients, but it can be very useful in uh, risk groups, which are early in their disease. They can help for the patients, but they can also help our health system to at least not go under in an immense mass of patients. Every patient which does not need to be admitted in a hospital, that's good for the patient, but it's also good for your healthcare system, which was swamped in the first wave and where cancer patients and cardiovascular patients had to be uh, put on a waiting list. And that is what we at all times have to prevent. Uh, that also normal care can uh, be um, uh, continued. And that is where these kind of products 
have a place and can be very beneficial both for the patients and both for the whole system. Other guests that we had in these podcasts uh, stressed that uh, two things. First of all, um, we have always had good collaborations in the Netherlands between the various institutions, but they stressed that collaboration has been more intense. Second, there is more openness. We are not waiting until our paper has been accepted in the Lancet. No, we share the results early. And uh, maybe lastly, um, political and logistic decisions are speeded up. Would, would you agree with that? Well, of course, it, it is uh, somewhat um, um, maybe cynical that that um, you you um, you reflect at why why uh, do we always have to wait so long for things to happen? Uh, why do we have to wait so long for a vaccine to come at the market? Um, and um, but you could also say, well, we've learned from this that uh, collaboration, like we now have with the Erasmus Medical Center and a lot of centers, to to very very fastly create design and trial and and make it happen with Sun Queen to uh, to get the donors. So it is a time of crisis, but it's also a time where the best of uh, human uh, nature uh, shows. And we have to be careful that um, that the incentives which are now battling a crisis to care for our patients, to keep the health system open for the other patients, those are great incentives. And we really might, uh, if, if you hint to that, uh, Hans, that we uh, are not um, reduce our, um, our uh, collaborations again to... Um, 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 uh, single university incentives, uh, having the best paper uh, for your own group, but writing the best paper and get the rest, best results for the Netherlands or maybe the best results for Europe or the best results for the whole, um, uh, whole world, world population. So we have to be careful to um, get this momentum and and retain it for the future because uh, collaboration is the best thing you can what can happen to you that uh, seems an excellent closure of this session uh Jaap jan Joop uh, and i like to thank you very much for being here it was a very stimulating discussion thank you thank you both thank you very much